Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for listening to our weekly audio sermons podcast. Duns Creek Baptist Church is a community alive by grace and known by love. We long to be a force for good here in Putnam County, Florida. You can learn more about us on the web by visiting dunscreekbaptist.org or visit us any Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. for worship. Now, please enjoy the message. Thank you so much. Uh, for, for being with us today. We are in the second week of a sermon series that we have started called The Other Six. And the whole idea behind this sermon series is that we believe that your whole life is spiritual. We talked about this last week, that everything is spiritual. Every aspect of your life is spiritual. Every inch of your being is spiritual. And so as we think about this, it's easy for us to confine our spiritual lives to Sunday morning when we go to to church. It's easy for us to maybe confine our spiritual lives to the time when we're praying or the time when we're maybe singing along to our favorite uh, worship songs. But the truth is every aspect of your life is spiritual. And so today we're going to start off by looking at the thing that you will spend the majority of your adult life doing. And I'm not talking about sleep. Now, if you were to separate out all the hours of your adult life, 18 on, you will spend an overwhelming majority, roughly 28 to 33% of that time sleeping. And that's important, it's necessary. But after that, the entirety of your adult life More than you spend time with your family, more than you spend time with your spouse, more than you spend time on your hobbies and on your interests, you will spend more time than anything else but sleep at work. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to worship God with our work. And so I wanted to ask Pastor Jake to stay up here as we started this sermon off because Um, Pastor Jake and I came here to Duns Creek um, about five and a half years ago. And so um, it's been an honor and privilege for both of us to to be on staff here and to have the the privilege and honor of serving you um, as pastors in your church. And so when I came here in June of 2014, um, Jake joined me on staff about three months later. And when Jake came on to our staff, he came on as our worship leaders, our worship pastor, with the long-term goal being that as the church grew, that Jake would eventually grow into a full-time role in that position. But about a year in to our time here on staff, Jake came to me and we had a very interesting conversation. You see, God had laid a very specific calling on his life and it wasn't what I expected it to be. So Jake, share with us a little bit about what God did in your life and what he revealed to you during that period of time. Yeah, so about five years ago when I came here, like you said, um, the, the original plan was part-time for now. The church is going to grow. We believed in what God was doing in this community, um, that I would move into a, a full-time position. I was going into my fourth year as an educator. I was a math teacher in the classroom. Um, I guess I kind of technically still am. Um, but um, I... I had a first couple rough years, I think, as most teachers do. I know there's a couple teachers out there as well. Those first years, they're rough. I survived. Um, 
But um, I, I had a couple, a couple good years after that, um, but still was really feeling called um, at the time into, into worship ministry and into doing that full time. So that was the plan. Um, and, and about a year later, as, as things were going well, and we thought that that might be a possibility, the more that that grew closer, the more I realized that that is not where God wanted me to be. Mm. Um, and so here we are now, five years later, um, still bivocational, still part-time, um, and absolutely loving every minute of that. Um, and so grateful that our original plan didn't work out, um, that what I thought God's plan for me was um, didn't work out. So about a year later, that conversation um, was a very difficult one, I think, um, for both of us. It, it wasn't what either of us expected. But um, basically, the, the result of that conversation was we started making some intentional steps to take some, some roles, responsibilities, and duties kind of away from me here rather than adding more like we had been doing for the past year so that I could continue my education um, to further my impact as an educator. Um, because the more, the more time I spent in the classroom and the more time I spent with, you know, 100, 200 kids a year making connections with, with students in this community and the community that I grew up, um, the community where most children didn't grow up in the kind of family that I did, the kind of supportive mm -hmm. family with a strong male role model that I had. Um, and so I, I really fell in, in love and, and started to feel the call of, of ministry, but not to ministry the way we normally think of ministry and, you know, preaching or playing guitar and singing worship songs, but ministry in the classroom and teaching math, um, you know, and ministry through that lens rather than explicitly yeah. um, teaching Jesus. And so we pulled back. I started my master's degree, continued that um, about a year ago, was able, was able to move into a leadership position to kind of spread my impact from one classroom to now I'm working in 15 school districts all over the place, um, lots of miles on my car, but lots of fun, lots of students, um, and lots of ministry and lots of worship. Yeah. So I, I want you to imagine, so if, if you didn't pick up what, what are you saying, basically a year into being here, my worship pastor comes to me and says, hey, God is calling me into full-time ministry as a math teacher. And... If you know Jake, that, that makes perfect sense. And in his role now, now he works for the Northeast Florida Education Consortium. And in his role, he services, like you said, 15 different school districts. So there are multiple thousands of students that are impacted by what Jake's doing in the classroom every day. And so a phenomenal worship leader. We love having you here as our worship pastor. But I think we can just agree, your efficacy, your... your your impact for the kingdom is so much larger as a math teacher than as a worship leader. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and just in sheer numbers, um, yeah. you know, the, the data doesn't lie. As a math guy, <laughs> the data doesn't lie. Uh, the, numbers, the numbers are larger in the impact from, from the classroom. But, you know, really, I'm also a firm believer in, you know, when you're, when you're walking in step with, with what God has planned for you, um, just the joy that comes from that and the worship that comes from that. Um, had, had I moved into full-time worship ministry um, and, and being out of stride with what God had called me into, um, that's not a real good feeling to have, and, and, and it's certainly going to have an impact on the way I serve and, and the way that I worship as well. Mm -hmm. So just being in stride with God, um, I think even numbers aside, yeah. um, is, is part of why I find so much joy in what I do 
Monday to Friday, yeah. not just Sunday. So this, this is the real question, and this gets into kind of our, our, our purpose for bringing Jacob here today. So you're a worship pastor who's feeling called that your full-time ministry is in the classroom. Is your classroom ministry any less worship than what you do here on Sundays? Oh, ab- absolutely not. I mean, I, I know on, on Sundays we're, we're singing, you know, I'm, I'm leading, leading you guys and we're singing songs that, you know, we're explicitly talking about the gospel and talking about Jesus and, and when we're planning sermon series together and everything we do, um, you know, it's, it's easy to get confused and to think that like, oh, well, this thing's where we're explicitly talking about Jesus and what Jesus did and the gospel. That's the only thing that's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love when, when Jesus tells his disciples, um, you know, by your love, people will know. And for me, when I'm in the classroom, whether I'm talking about math or I spent the whole summer teaching literacy to kindergarten and first grade teachers, that was as a math guy, that was weird. But it, hey, you know, a few years ago, we talked about being uncomfortable. That's right. And I grew in my uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't pay off because I still can't use regular words. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the way that I'm able to connect with students and to show that love to students that they, that they so need, um, just because I'm not explicitly telling them about Jesus every day, I'm showing them, you know, who Jesus is and how Jesus loves and how Jesus cares about all of this, yeah. just, just through the culture that I like to create in my classroom and the compassion that I show every student. I love it. I love it. Y'all give Jake a hand. Thanks so much, buddy. You see, what, what Jake was talking about and what I believe is true for all of us in the room is that regardless of where you work and regardless of what you do vocationally, you are called to worship. And you're called to worship 24-7, 365. You're not called to come into Sunday morning and go, all right, now I'm worshiping because I'm singing songs and, and here's what we're doing. No, you're called to worship in that you give glory to God in everything that you do. Think about some of the verses we read last week in Colossians when Paul says, Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. We are going to spend the majority of our, of our conscious hours as adults at work. And wouldn't it be incredible if we were to understand that when we show up to the job, we are just as called to worship as when we are here on Sunday morning. That's the idea, that when we're called to worship, and in fact, I believe you can worship God through your work. And so the whole idea behind this sermon series is we believe that everything is spiritual, then let me be unbelievably clear, your work, your vocation, your job is spiritual because you, being a fully and completely spiritual being, walk into your job, and when you walk into your job, you bring the entirety of your spiritual existence into that place and into that role and into that job. And so today, I wanna talk about three ways that we can worship through work. Three ways that we can worship God through our jobs, through our vocation, through what it is that we do 
to earn some money. And by the way, it's hard to talk about what we do for work without eventually talking about money. So I encourage you to come back next week as we talk about how we worship God through our finances. But today, three ways to worship God through work. Number one, utilize kingdom creativity. Utilize kingdom creativity. I'm one of the believers who thinks that one of the primary motives, one of the primary reasons for the technological advances that we have, one of the primary driving forces behind so much that we have today that we look around the world and say, that is so good. One of the reasons for that is because we've got 2,000 years of Christ followers who have brought their relationship to Jesus to bear on what they have done. So think about the inventors, think about the doctors, think about the the people that have been on the forefront of technology and science. Think of so many people who have been at the forefront of what they're doing, pushing us forward in the world. And their motive for doing it is how can I glorify Jesus in my work? We shouldn't be Surprised that when the Gutenberg printing press was invented, the first thing that they began to print was the Bible. Essentially, the invention of the printing press that made education and literacy a global changer. The world was night and day difference between when there was access to the printing press. And what is the first thing that they did? They're going, we want the printing press. We want to create this thing so that we may put the Bible in people's hands. Think about how many ways in science and technology, think about how many ways the medical field, that essentially all the advancements we have are because people said, I'm bringing my kingdom creativity to bear in this industry. What we have today is hospitals where millions of lives are saved every day all over the world. What we know today is hospitals were the invention of Christians in the third century. There was something in the Roman Empire known as the Plague of Cyprian. And during the Plague of Cyprian, roughly one in eight Roman citizens died during the third century. And what did Christians do? Christians opened up their home and began caring for the sick at great personal cost and at great risk to themselves. Why? Because they were compelled by the love of Jesus. We could go on and on and talk about all the advancements that exist because followers of Jesus have said, God has given me creativity and I'm gonna use my creativity. I'm gonna use the intellect. I'm gonna use every gift that God has placed in my hands and I'm gonna bring it to bear for the good of people. I'm gonna utilize my kingdom creativity at work. And that's a way that you can worship God. And here's why we believe that. This is Genesis chapter one. When then God said, let us make man in our image. You were made in the image of God. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you were still made in the image of God. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You were 
created by the creator. You were created by the creator and you were made in the image of the maker. So what does that mean for us? It means you and I were made to make. We were created to be creative. We have the image of the creator God. You and I have the divine fingerprint of the maker. You and I have been given divine creativity. And so when we bring that divine creativity to bear in our workplace, we worship the creator. We worship the maker. We worship our God. When we bring that kingdom creativity, when we utilize that kingdom creativity in the workplace. So think about your workplace. What's the advancement that's yet to happen in your field? What's the, what's the new idea? What's the new process? What's the new plan? What's the new methodology that needs to happen in your workplace? And how can you be the one to bring that to bear because you're not doing it for the company you work for. You're not doing it for your boss. You're doing it to glorify the creator God. You are bringing your kingdom creativity to bear that you might worship the God who made you in his image. Number two, foster kingdom relationships. So we're gonna utilize kingdom creativity, but then we're gonna foster kingdom relationships. And here's one of the things, let's just be honest, I think we all struggle with. Other than your family and your closest friends, the people you will spend the most time with, the people that will know you most intimately in this world are your coworkers. In fact, most of us will spend more time with our coworkers than we will spend with our spouses, than we will spend with our children. You could argue that no one knows you better than your coworkers. And there's no one you know better than your coworkers. Now, for some of us, that can be a really difficult thing to stomach. Because you get to pick your friends. As the old saying, you can pick your nose and you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your friend's nose. And you also don't get to pick the people you work with. You don't get to pick the people that you work with. Oftentimes, you are stuck in relationship with people you did not choose. It's kind of like your family, right? You didn't get to pick who your aunt and uncle would be. You didn't get to pick who your cousins are. You didn't get to pick who your siblings are. And you often don't get to pick who your coworkers are. But if you're taking a look at your sphere of influence in this world, if you're considering today, where am I going to have the biggest impact in terms of relationship? What relationships in my life will I have the greatest opportunity to impact for the kingdom of God? There may be no more defining relationship in your life outside of your immediate family than the people you work with. If you want to see the people in your sphere of influence come to know Jesus as Lord, the first place to look is your coworkers. And the hard part there is that so many of us work in fields and in industries where we feel like we have to check our faith 
at the door. We've got to put our faith in a box, put it on the shelf, and we clock in, and we exist as an employee. And then we check out, we clock out, we get back in our car, and we take our faith back out of its box. But the reality is, your faith is integral to what you do. Your faith is integral to your workplace, and your workplace needs your faith. And the relationships that you form at your place of work, those relationships need your faith in Jesus. You know, we believe that your job is important. We believe that your job matters. We believe that your vocation matters because God is glorified by how you work. When you work to the very best of your ability, when you bring all of that kingdom creativity to bear in your job, you glorify God. But I want you to know something. God loves when you work, not just because that's how he's glorified, but because when you work, you have an opportunity to serve others. You have an opportunity to interact with others. No place in your life outside of your family will you have as many opportunities for personal relationship as you do at work. So God loves when you work because he loves you and because he loves to see you serve others whom he loves. This might sting a little bit. I want you to imagine that coworker right now that you cannot get along with. I want you to imagine that coworker who, when you leave every day, you have never been more thrilled to get away from them. Do you know the same Jesus that died for you died for them? Do you know that the same Jesus who loves you fully, completely, and perfectly right where you are and too much to leave you there feels the exact same way? about that coworker. God loves when you work because when you work, you have opportunity to serve, to love, to interact with that coworker. And so it's not easy. It's not easy. It's simple. It's not complex, but it's not easy. Because what Jesus is saying to me and to you is he's saying your workplace is an opportunity for you to love and serve other people. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is being asked by one of the Pharisees, a lawyer, an expert in the law, and he's essentially asking Jesus a really common question during the first century where the Pharisees were really becoming the dominant ruling party amongst the Jewish leadership at the temple. And during this period of time, the question the Pharisees were wrestling with is what is the most important command of God? Of all the laws and commandments and prophets, what's the most important lens through which to see God? What commandment should reset our priorities when we think of our relationship to God? And so Jesus in Matthew 22 has asked this question. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. 
Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, listen to what Jesus says here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So what is Jesus saying? If you're gonna prioritize your whole life in one commandment, here it is. Love God. Now, loving God, let's be honest, loving God's a pretty nebulous idea. You know, it's, it's this idea that we can go, yeah, I really love God. I love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. I, I love God. But you can look at my life and go, okay, yeah, that person loves God, but how do they treat everyone else? And so what does Jesus say? Jesus goes, look, your relationship with God is invisible to the world. Your relationship with God is not, is not immediately able to be seen by the rest of the world. So let me clarify what I mean when I say love God. There's a second part of this. There's a second command that's like it. In the Greek, what Jesus says here is he's a second that is the same as it. It is similar to it. A second that it helps us explain and interpret what he's just said. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every one of your coworkers is your neighbor. On these two commandments depend all the law, the prophets. Jesus is going, look, you want to know what it looks like to love God? You want to know what worship looks like? Worship looks like loving everyone you encounter, everyone you interact with. Look at your sphere of influence. Look at all of your relationships. You want to know what it means to love God, to worship God? How are you treating them? Do you love them? Do you serve them? The command of God when we show up to work is that we have an opportunity to foster kingdom relationships. Kingdom relationships where we walk in with love and grace and patience. Where we walk in and we see our coworkers not as competitors for the same job, but we see them as divinely created people of worth and dignity who are deserving of love not because we've decided they are, but because Jesus died on a cross to show us they are. Your workplace, outside of your family, your workplace is going to be the setting where your kingdom relationships are defined. When you stand before God, God is gonna ask you, do you love me? Then how did you treat your coworkers. How did you treat those who you served? How did you treat your customers? How did you treat your bosses? Foster kingdom relationships. So number one, we're gonna utilize our kingdom creativity. Number two, we're gonna foster kingdom relationships. And finally, number three, we are going to champion kingdom values. You're going to champion kingdom values. And this is one of those areas 
where I look at the world and, and look, I, I love economics. I love, I, I love business systems. I love when a really great company does the best product and they're rewarded for that. I love, I love to see a, a fully capitalist enterprise where you get to see a company that goes, you know what, we're gonna make the best product and we're gonna have the best customer service and we're gonna make a whole lot of money because we did all the right things the best way. So this is my challenge and champion and encouragement for you to be more like Chick-fil-A. Great product, best customer service, can't go wrong. You wanna champion kingdom values. I believe that if the church, if we as followers of Jesus will champion kingdom values in the workplace, that even if our bosses, even if employers don't believe in the Jesus we believe in, they're gonna be looking at you and going, I'll tell you what, this Jesus stuff you believe in, I think it's nonsense. I don't believe how you can buy into this grace-filled story, but I'll tell you what, I'm gonna hire as many Christians as I can. Why? Because they've got character and integrity. They're reliable. They're full of courage. I know that they are... I may not believe in the Jesus that they believe in, but I have no doubt whatsoever that they believe it because this is how they carry themselves at work. They carry themselves as people of character and integrity and reliability and courage. And it's easy for me as we talk about championing kingdom values to say all of those things, but, but. Character matters, integrity matters, reliability matters, courage matters. But there's a dangerous thing that can happen at work. And if we're not careful, it'll happen to us too. And men, men, can I just confess, we are more prone to being victims of this than anyone else, men, we get sucked into this lie all the time. Our tendency is to let our work define us. To let our job and our vocation and how successful we are in that vocation, it's so easy, men, for us to let that define us, for that to become our identity. Who am I? This is who I am. I work here, and this is my role there, but I'm working and working and working to move up and to move up and to move up. And men, that's one of the things that I believe is, is kind of tearing us apart because what ends up happening is we end up with no boundaries in our life. We end up with no way of prioritizing our wife or our children or our families because we're going, I've got to prove who I am at work. I've got to prove who I am at work. And so so we spend more and more time searching for our identity at our job. If we're going to champion kingdom values, then one of the kingdom values we've got to champion is this. We work from our identity and not for it. Work from your identity, not for your identity. Here's what I mean by that. Your identity is child of the king. Your identity is son or daughter of the living God. So when you show up to work, you show up to work already full of your identity as a follower of Jesus, as a child of the kingdom. You don't have to work in order to earn your identity. 
And here's the dangerous thing that can happen if you work in order to earn your identity. Then losing a job doesn't just become an unfortunate financial reality. Getting laid off doesn't just become an opportunity for a brand new adventure in your vocational life. No, if you're working for your identity, losing your job can be destructive. And I just want to let you know, you show up to work with a full identity in place. You don't show up to work in order to earn your identity. So when we work, let's work from our identity. Let's work from your identity and not for your identity. And here's why this matters. Because we live in a period of time where we are working more and more and more and our lives are less and less satisfying. Because if you work for your identity, you'll never work long enough or hard enough and you'll never have a large enough paycheck to earn it. Your identity will always be one more step away. And you will sacrifice all of the things that really matter to you. Chasing something that can never fulfill you. And so that's why one of the kingdom values that we're called to champion is the value of Sabbath. It's the value of rest. It's the value of going, I will not be defined by my job. Genesis is the origin story of the people of Israel. The book of Genesis, the first books that opens your Bible is the origin story. It explains how God has set his people apart and he's called them and he's promised great things to them. But it doesn't take long for us to get to the end of Genesis where the people of Israel are now slaves in Egypt. And in their slavery in Egypt, as we begin the beginnings of the, the book of Exodus, as we open up these first chapters of Exodus, what do we learn? That the slave drivers in Egypt wanted more and more production from the slaves, the Israelite slaves, more and more production. You won't have a Sabbath. You will be defined by what you produce. Now produce more and more and more. And God heard the cries of the people. And so in Exodus chapter 20, when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai carrying the law of God, how does the law begin? Exodus chapter 20 begins like this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Before God commands us to do anything, he reminds us who he is and where we have been set free. I am the Lord your God, and what have I done for you? I have set you free from your slavery. I have set you free from being defined by your production. 
And so as we go on, what do we see? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. You were made in the image of God. You were made in the likeness of God. And so God introduces to us a kingdom rhythm. He introduces to us a kingdom value. You are not defined by what you produce. So here's what we're going to do. Work hard six days. Work to the glory of God for six days. And then you're going to rest for the glory of God. Because your identity is not in what you do. Your identity is not in what you produce. Your identity is not in how large the paycheck is. Your identity comes from your maker. And somehow in God's economy, six goes further than seven. Somehow in God's economy, 90% goes further than 100 because God has said, I want you to champion this kingdom value. You're not a slave. You're not defined by what you produce. You're not defined by work. So let work be a place that you worship. Let work be a setting where you glorify God, but don't ever let work become an idol. Work is an opportunity for you to worship the God who said, rest. So it's time for us as we champion kingdom values to get into kingdom rhythms. And what do kingdom rhythms look like? Kingdom rhythms mean that we work hard. We work to the very best of our ability. We work utilizing that kingdom creativity. We work fostering kingdom relationships. But we work and do all of it to worship God for the glory of God. And then we rest for the glory of God. Maybe you're here today and your problem has not been that you struggle to see how to worship at work. Maybe for you, the struggle has been that work has become your idol. Work has become your slave master. Maybe today you're here just to hear me let you know that God says, rest. Rest. Don't be defined by what you do for a job. Don't be defined by what you do for a living. Don't sacrifice your children and your family on the altar of production. Because God made everything in six days and then he rested. And you were made in his image. So rest because God rests. Recognize that your identity does not come from what you do, but you bring your identity 
into your place of work. So a little recap for us. You can worship the God of all creation at work. In fact, your workplace may be the, may be the setting where you worship God the most vividly and loudly. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to utilize our kingdom creativity. We're going to foster kingdom relationships. And we are going to champion kingdom values. And while you champion kingdom values, remember that you work from your place of identity and not for it.